Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome back to the Brazos Point living room. We're so glad you're listening. And this week we have got the three amigos back together again. Myself, Randy Dane, and Michelle Masterson. How are y'all doing? Great. Man. Loving this weather. Loving this weather. That's what I was going to say. Soak it up. Mm-hmm. Humidity's low. Yeah. We ate lunch Skies outside today. Oh, wow. Good yeah. weather. I'll do it again next year. How are you, Joseph? <laughs> doing good. I had a great Easter. <laughs> Me too. Easter Palooza was a blast. Yes, yeah. it was. Great Easter weekend. Yeah, it was. I took a big nap. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well we are in the final three weeks of our gospel of john series which has taken us how long randy year and some change right yeah journey with jesus through john yeah (laughs) uh and we missed some along the way but uh here we are the last three weeks uh, and starting a series called for the one and this week we're talking about for the one who's undecided still uh, by if placing their faith in Jesus. And so first thought for you guys is, is there anything that you were originally hesitant to try? Maybe a food, hobby, show, etc. But in the end, you ended up loving. Absolutely. Uh, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big leafy green kind of guy. Uh, but I'm telling you, man, you can make those things sing like candy. Like they are, they can be delicious. Seem <laughs> like what? candy or sing like candy? Seem like candy makes more sense, but I said You said sing. sing. I thought you did. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you put on top of your Brussels sprouts? Well, I don't like, I will say I'm a good cook and yet uh, <laughs> will you appreciate <laughs> the culinary arts. So I do. That's what we've I can't, I can't get them like I can get them at restaurants. Like restaurants have a, oh. are better. Like mine are fine. They're good. And I've learned that uh, oven beans air fryer air fryer mm-hmm. doesn't really do it for me on a brussels sprout i'm a fan of the air fryer but uh man like certain restaurants if you see them on a restaurant's appetizer menu my guess is you will find that they are little green balls of delicate have you ever had taste. tempura brussels sprouts no i've never had them fried at all Oof, so good <laughs> maybe i have had them fried and i don't know it no, you would know it. There's like a little bit of tempura on there. Well, I just mean not battered, but fried. Oh, yeah, maybe That'd so. That'd be interesting. So I like the little leaves that get separate. And burn up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Ashley doesn't. She likes the... Mm, so give them to me, We're Ashley. a great Brussels pear. <laughs> yeah, so where are you at on Brussels sprouts? I like them. Yeah, with a good dipping sauce. I like them with a little sweet, See, a little heat. The tempura ones come with mm. a great dipping sauce, too. Don't get me wrong. My Brussels sprouts are fine. Sure, sure. But they're not restaurant quality. They don't sing. They're not appetizers. <laughs> uh, man, you are just batting a thousand on the the food guy. Always. <laughs> what about Wake you, Shelly? Go to sleep. Well, I thought of three different things. One of them is food. It's sushi. Um, goodness, it was probably back in maybe 2006, seven, somewhere in there. And I'd never really had sushi. And people were really starting to love it. And the, like my circle. And so. No, um, I'm glad you, you pointed out that it's a fad. It was. It's sushi it, is a fad? Well, oh, yeah. It, no. like, it's trendy. All it's of a, a sudden, a trend. it seems like. She said 2006. Well, it's it's a long... <laughs> I, I do think that it caught on For all sure. of a sudden. Anyway, um, 
several other ladies and I went. What other fads are you following from 2006? <laughs> My clothes. <laughs> I mean, you can, like, yeah, sushi's been around Japan forever, but it's a trend around here. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> My clothes are actually from 97. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, my ankles have gotten tighter. <laughs> um, Sushi. Yes, we all, like everybody ordered something different because there were several of us there who had never tried it. And so we got to kind of try different things. And it moved like to the top of my favorites list immediately. Like I would crave it. And I still do love sushi. Um, the other one. Do you remember when I went and got sashimi? I do. And it was such a bad I experience. I tried to tell you. I was. You're like, oh. no, it's more for the less money. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, I did not enjoy it. <laughs> nope. You want the stuff. Kids these days. <laughs> Kids these days. Um, oh, one of them is Harry Potter. Um, I, oh, yeah. Like, I, I don't know what it is in me, but if something is like immediately popular i tend to like hang back a little bit like i don't know why i don't know why i do that but ashley is who finally got me to read them and i love them um the other one and this is the most ironic to me because it is my absolute favorite is the show the office like i didn't start watching it when it first came out I did not know this. if you know The Office, you know that the first few episodes are pretty awkward. And that type of humor wasn't necessarily the norm at the time. And so it was was awkward to watch. And now it is my favorite. Like... It's it's just so comforting to me. Mm. Well, you just play it like white noise in the background, right? Oh, yeah. Mine was going to be Sushi. Oh. Uh, yeah, because I'm all about the fad. Right. Uh, How old were you in 07? Mushrooms on Pizza was one that okay. I fought for a long time. Yeah. Loved them. Uh, but I actually have one that Randy didn't say that I know it's true about you. You ready? Yeah. Bluey. Oh, um. man. I wasn't hesitant. I just was ignorant. <laughs> no, you didn't like it. You said, I've already tried it. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Yeah. No. You mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. Oh, you're like, not wrong. You're right. Because I watched that one silent episode with the little French kid. And remember, he had to give you the list. No, you're absolutely right. No, yeah. you're right. You, uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Forget Brussels. I'm all bluey. I thought and you were going to say. Thank you. Yes. yes. You're so right. You're not wrong. You are right. We started on that one episode and it was not great. Yeah. But. Man. I'll tell you what, it has lasting power in our home. Like to Ooh. this day, Bluey is still you measure time in blue. We do we measure time in blue. And we will we will be like, uh, hey kids, let's leave the house in fifteen minutes and they're like, That's time for a bluey dad. That's I great. want to be him. <laughs> I want to be Bandit. 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 Yeah. Well, thank you to all our friends and family who pushed us to uh <laughs> try, try these things that we love and eat vegetables yeah. that taste like candy. <laughs> Sing like candy. Sing. <laughs> the reason I have us talking about that is because this week, as we finish the Gospel of John, these next few weeks, we're going to look at some characters. And this week, we're looking at Nicodemus. And he shows up throughout the Gospel of John. And we see he's originally hesitant to trust and believe Jesus. So I want to read just a couple things and summarize John chapter 3 when he shows up. And we see he shows up to Jesus. He's, a mem- he's described as a member of the Jewish ruling council. And it says he shows up to meet Jesus at night. 
Uh, and he says, he calls Jesus rabbi. He says, we know you're a teacher who's come from God. No one could do the things that you're doing or the signs that you're performing. And he says, Jesus responds to him and says, you, very truly I tell you, you can, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And he goes on to say, no one can see or enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again of water and spirit. And this has Nicodemus very confused, and he's got lots of questions clearly. But first, I just want to know, why does Nicodemus come to meet Jesus after dark? I mean, what you see in Nicodemus is he demonstrates a good deal of respect for Jesus and intrigue with Jesus that's really pretty unique given who he is as a part of the ruling class. Mm -hmm. Um, so Nicodemus is interested, but man, he's got a lot to lose, uh, if he aligns with Jesus. And so, I, I mean, I think that has everything to do with why the time of day there's, there's a little incognito going on here, right? Like it's, it's, it's a little clandestine. There's a lot on the line and because of his position, we can assume that Nicodemus was pretty, um, recognizable in town. And so, you know, it wasn't even just that, um, he had a lot to lose, but like it was likely that it would be lost because it was very likely that he would be seen and recognized. Yeah, he definitely um, would have cost him to. And I just I love the the detail that John goes to tell us specifically. He's painting the picture for us. Here's who he was, and he came to Jesus asking really good questions, but at night when everyone else was asking during the day, mm -hmm. uh, and Jesus met him. Well, and keep in mind, like we're going all the way back to John three, right? This is early. Mm -hmm. It's early in John's yeah. gospel, and uh, and at the point where we're at now, you know, in John twenty, John nineteen and twenty, there's mm -hmm. a lot that's unfolded. So just keep in mind it's early. Yeah, yeah, we're absolutely going to pick up on that. So he tells Jesus tells him that you have to be born again, which leads him to just be very confused. He says, "How how how does that work? How can you uh, enter into your mother's womb again to be born again?" He takes him extremely literally. But I wanted to read us a couple of things, one's from the Old Testament and one's from the Apostle Paul. And these are just promises from God um, and of what God is going to do and what it looks like to really to connect with Him. And so here's what God says in Ezekiel chapter 36, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a spirit in you. I will remove you from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then in Paul, in 1 Timothy, says, He was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith and love there are in Christ Jesus. So, I wanted us to read those two things because we see Jesus is telling Nicodemus, You cannot see or enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. Now, this comes as a shock to Nicodemus for some reasons. I want to talk about it, but also, what does it mean to be born again? Because Nicodemus is expecting a list of rules, and yet those things we just read are about God giving new heart and changing us in ways that aren't necessarily behavior. You yeah, I think about think about birth, right? And and it speaks to a lot of things. One, it speaks to our identity. It mm -hmm. speaks to our origins and and who we are. And I, I think there are absolutely some parallels here to spiritual uh, birth and being reborn. You know, we're being transformed into a new creation, being made into a new person with a new identity, and 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 with a fresh start. You mm -hmm. know, uh, so I think that just kind of scratches the surface of what it means to be reborn or born again. Another thing is that when you are just born, there really is nothing that you could have done at that point. And so, 
I think it's it pretty also, passive on our part. Yeah, as, as, exactly. Like I think it also speaks to who the one is that's providing the redemption here because mm. you know when when you've just been born somebody else was doing all the work there you know yeah i i wanted to put in here too this has got to come as such a shock to nicodemus he's a religious leader he's a member of the jewish ruling council he comes to jesus he's saying hey you're a teacher i, I believe you've come from god you're doing signs and jesus essentially tells him you you do not know god you cannot enter or see the kingdom. And that has got to be so shocking to him. And we see that throughout Jesus' ministry. Yeah, yeah. We, we see many people who come to him saying, well, I've done all these things. I've done X, Y, and Z. And Jesus tells them, you still do not understand or know. And I, I honestly appreciate the fact that Nicodemus takes Jesus' words so literally. Mm-hmm. I think if we have grown up in church, or you've been in church for some time, maybe you've heard the phrase born again, and we probably understand it in a way that he Nicodemus has never heard that before, so he takes it completely literally. Like, what do you mean? I think it is one of those phrases that a little bit of church breeds some familiarity, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, just think about taking that to an unbelieving, unengaged world, born again. Like, put uh-huh. yourself in Nicodemus' shoes. Yeah, I think like, his questions are fair. Yeah, it's a weird <laughs> phrase, man. He's like, "Hang on, back in my mom's womb." No. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I love the reason I included those two verses or the passages is because Nicodemus is looking, and as you continue to see his questions, he's looking to know, like, okay, what do I need to do to connect with God? Like, what do I need to do to be a part of this kingdom that you're claiming to be bringing? Expecting a list of you do this, then this, then this. And yet, the two passages I read talk about God's promise to give us a new heart. Again, it's like, it's not you're doing it's trusting and god is going to not just change your behavior he's going to change your very heart get remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and i love that paul talked about i was a blasphemer a persecutor and a violent man but god has poured out his spirit on me and he's a different person now and it's not i was strong enough or i i learned this and changed it's god mm-hmm. changed my heart well and the other thing that, that it makes me think about is the reality of what we know uh, in light of the other things that Jesus said, is that the the spiritual rebirth or being born again comes on the other side of a personal death, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We first die to ourselves and our old way of life if we're going to enter into that that position of new identity and being reborn mm. by the Spirit because of the work of Christ. And so it is, it's preceded by death. And and I think that's what you see Nicodemus wrestling with is, is he willing to die that death of his old identity mm-hmm. in order to be reborn in Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a shock because um, he is trying to find out more information about how to be close to God from Jesus. But also he thinks he's been doing all the things that are mm-hmm. supposed to bring him close to God. He, um, like he thinks he's one of the best at doing mm-hmm. all of the things that are the things that are supposed to bring you close to God. And so it is offensive. It is confusing because it's like, this is my whole life. This is mm-hmm. my identity. I thought, I thought I was doing it. And you're mm-hmm. telling me I, I'm completely off track you know, and I'm not understanding what you are saying. But he is different from his peers in that he's intrigued enough to ask mm-hmm. and he respects yeah. enough to treat Jesus differently. He's, so maybe, I don't know, maybe on the inside, Nicodemus doesn't feel like he's got it on lockdown. Maybe so, because mm-hmm. he's not accusing, he's curious. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think I appreciate that you said that too, Michelle, because I think in Nicodemus, we see so much happening. He doesn't understand Jesus's words, but he's curious. And we see someone who's afraid to publicly associate with Jesus because he's showing up at night because it would cost him socially, publicly, uh, and even in his position. We see someone who also has the wrong idea of what it means to actually know God. And so my next question is, are there modern day equivalents to Nicodemus and what, who are they and what does it look like played out today for someone to be a modern day Nicodemus? Oh, I definitely think there are. Um, I think what comes to mind, too, is that Nicodemus had these questions. He had this curiosity, and he wanted to ask them, but he wanted to ask them in what he perceived to be a safe space. And I think that I think we know people like that who have questions about faith, but are maybe hesitant to ask them. Maybe there's a fear of being judged by the person they're asking. Maybe there's a fear of um, other people thinking, oh, I thought they I thought they had this figured out and maybe they don't. So I think there's folks that have questions that maybe aren't so sure about where they can ask those questions. Um, I also think that there may be folks who um, feel like they're, there is a cost. There is a cost associated mm-hmm. with following Jesus. And, you know, there's folks out there who maybe don't want to experience that cost quite yet. Maybe they don't see that a relationship with Jesus is worth it. And that's mm-hmm. not necessarily what we know is going on in Nicodemus's mind, but he was weighing a cost because he went at night. Um, I also think that there's folks who think they do have the right belief system, the right framework for for being right with God, and they don't necessarily understand that it's about relationship and mm-hmm. it's about what God has done and not about what we can do. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense? Yeah. No, I absolutely think the same way. There are people, again, that uh, are curious but don't necessarily feel like they can ask certain questions or uh, that they're not safe or maybe they don't like I think (laughs) the idea of him taking Jesus's word so literally I mean we talk so often about the words we use trying to reach people because we want there to not be any assumed knowledge we want to make sure that people can understand I think there's plenty of that and then I also think about just people who have spent so much of their lives thinking that they actually know Jesus when in a moment like this, they may find out they really don't. And, mm-hmm. and I think for me, I just grew up in a faith tradition where it was very rule-centric. It was very much, you do this, then this, then this, then this. And one day when I turned 18, I, re- I actually read Jesus' words for the first time in my life. And like much like Nicodemus here, was like, I don't know God at all. Yeah, I understand how to now, but that, that was a big I revelation. I did and I it was didn't. like, I- I've spent years of my life um, wasted as I was maybe how I would describe it, but just that was shocking, but also refreshing and realizing, man, I think the same thing from this last Sunday of Easter, man, look again. Do I have, mm-hmm. do you have the wrong maybe idea of who God really it's is? So much more and so much better than I thought it was. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up your experience coming from a, a different faith tradition. Cause honestly, that's where my mind goes when I think about modern day Nicodemuses, Nicodemi. Nicodemuses. Nicodemuses. Nicks. Uh, Like, my mind goes to um, 
our work, our mission work in Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've experienced modern day Nicodemuses mm-hmm. there. Um, because when we're in Bulgaria, we're working with one of two different kinds of people. Typically, either they're, uh, they're nominally Muslim. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and Islam has influence there because of conquest. Uh, and there's these pockets of Islam. And so these people, uh, like I've, I can name specific people that it's like, man, yeah. I've, I've had dinner in this man's house and he almost feels like a secret disciple, but he's just not yet ready mm-hmm. uh, to let go of his life in order to embrace Christ. And like, to me, that's, that's, that's very similar to Nicodemus. But then I've also experienced it even in Bulgaria. You, you can see it so clearly in the people that practice Orthodox Christianity. Um, because there's so much about their faith tradition that's More really about, about it's about culture and iconography, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks like idols. Sometimes the idols just actually have uh, the f- the idea of the face of Jesus on it. Yeah. But man, I could see someone coming out of that tradition or those nominal Muslims in those mountain villages uh, being so much like Nicodemus because it's either, whether they're Orthodox or Muslim, it's so much a part of their cultural community identity and, and walking away from that into, uh, into a gospel centered Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a real change, but there's so much similarity at the same time. Hmm. Well, the couple things I wanted to read are, Nicodemus shows up in chapter three of John, which we just kind of read this interaction, and he only shows up two more times, really brief. But we see that there's a journey that's kind of happening that we can piece together. And I want to just talk about a little bit. Just a few chapters later, the chief priests and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are fighting about trying to capture Jesus. They're getting frustrated with his teaching, and he's making them look foolish, and they get frustrated. And they're referred to as a mob. (laughs) But uh, as they're trying to figure out how to capture him, Nicodemus, it says, uh, John 7, uh, verse 50, says, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, who is one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They're ready to capture him and put him on trial and probably kill him. And Nicodemus, just with one sentence, kind of stands up a little bit and says, is that right by our own law? And they replied to him as he speaks up, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you'll find a prophet who does not come out of, of Galilee. Uh, and they, they get frustrated with him essentially. And so that's kind of the one moment he shows up where he, he speaks up on Jesus' behalf a little bit, just a little bit. And then in John chapter 19, after Jesus dies, we're told in verse 38, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus uh, and then with Pilate's permission, he came, took the body away, and he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier had visited Jesus at night. And Nicodemus brought um, different spices and all the things necessary to bury Jesus. And that's really all we get. And then they buried him in a tomb. And so we have very little about this man named Nicodemus. But if you look closely, there seems to be a bit of a progression. My question is, what changes do you see happen in Nicodemus throughout the course of Jesus's ministry? I do think you see him getting bolder, right? He mm-hmm. goes from nighttime to questioning his peers to uh, not just caring about Jesus, but caring for Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think you see this emboldened, uh, more brave Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in John 7, you see him with the other Pharisees. Like, this is probably largely who he was trying to hide from in John 3. Mm-hmm. And here he is somewhat defending Jesus in front of them and to them. 
and it kind of cracks me up mm-hmm. the way they say look into it it makes me think of like now if you're like disagreeing about a fact about something and you're like google it google <laughs> it <laughs> like, look into it you'll see uh, that's but, so funny yeah he's he's sticking up for jesus to the people mm-hmm. that he probably is most worried about yeah yeah i think it's so interesting we don't have much right we only have these couple of sentences later on but in, in my mind and from my perspective i do see a progression here uh, and, and you know we see Jesus, we see Nicodemus. He's like, I'm willing to meet with Jesus in person at night when no one else is around. Okay, well here I am. I'm willing to say at least a sentence or maybe more on behalf of Jesus publicly. But he's not identifying with Jesus. He's just saying, Hey, is that that's not really what our law says, right? And he's kind of sticking up for Jesus indirectly. And then in chapter 19, I, I mean. Jesus has died, and Nicodemus is publicly associated visually with Jesus in his body. Mm-hmm. And to me, that that has to cost everything for him to be associated, even after death. You know, Jesus, Nicodemus is not meeting with him at night. He's not necessarily speaking up indirectly. He is actively caring for Jesus's body. And so, it leads me to think that at some point before Jesus' crucifixion, he was all in. And he had counted the cost, as we had talked about, of what it would cost him, and he has said, it's worth it to me. Um, so, in my mind, I think, you know, there's a progression here. I'm not, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure that we can know that he's all in, um, but I think we can know, like, we don't have much here compared to, like, a Peter, mm-hmm. but we have so much more here compared to so many others that are on the periphery, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many others that you only see a one-time mention, so for us to have three mentions, like, it makes me think about John as mm-hmm. he's writing this, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and, and John knows when he's writing John 3 where Nicodemus is going to be in John 19, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so, I think... I think John placing this all three of these cases mm-hmm. in here, uh, I think it speaks to something too. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's curious to me is uh, like at this point where we see Nicodemus like the most committed to Christ by caring for his body. Uh, I feel like this is at, I don't know that he's all in, but I know that this is where he's the most decided. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's the most decided at this point that he's willing. Uh, to be a part of this. When did John write? Later. Later? Yeah. The last like one. Is, do, do we think Nicodemus is dead by the time John's gospel launches? Uh, who knows? Uh, probably. Okay. But I, th- I, th- I mean, they're going to know now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's important that you say Nicodemus does not show up in any other gospel. And John knows exactly what he's doing. He's telling one full story here. Mm-hmm. And all of these other moments around John 19, they're so full to the brim of meaning. Everything that's happening in Jesus' crucifixion and his burial and in the resurrection has so much meaning. And for him to just drip this story of this man mm-hmm. throughout all of it, even sentence here, a sentence there, it's intentional. Well, well, and the other thing that's so important for us to remember, because I think we get this, I think we overstate this and get this wrong way, way too often. We talk about how the Jews reacted to Jesus, how the Jews rejected Jesus, yada, yada, yada. It's true, but also, like, the 12 were Jews, mm-hmm. right? So, the Jews accepted Jesus. We talk about, like, early acts where 
thousands are coming. Like this is pre-Gentile. There are there are so many Jews who are responding to Jesus, who are stepping over the line of faith, who are walking away from what yeah. they know and into what is to come, who are being reborn again. And and Nicodemus may very well just be one of them. Yeah, it was some of the Jews who had the biggest problem with Jesus, but it was also some of the Jews who were choosing That's to right. follow him. This is built on Another the Another thing, Joseph, when you're talking about when John wrote this, he knew that he was writing a whole story. And what we know, because John tells us, is that the reason he's writing it is that you may believe. Mm. And so that makes me think even more that he's kind of threaded this Nicodemus storyline through there. Mm -hmm. And in John's mind, it seems like what he wrote was so that the reader would believe. So that makes me think that he is showing us. Well, I just think what we see in Nicodemus at this point, what I feel like we can know is at this point, I don't know that Nicodemus has trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but I think we do know that Nicodemus values Jesus so highly that he sees Jesus as being worth some risk. And yes, like, and he may be starting to believe or, or wondering even more, but I don't know that we see him surrendered yet. Yeah. Well, another hypothetical question just to think through is, you know, we see this this progression of being all in or more in. So, how do you think Nicodemus's eventual public support of Jesus in this moment of his burial might have impacted his standing in the Jewish community? What might, what did he stand to lose? Well, I mean, I think he stood to lose uh, significantly. And, and if you want to understand what he stood to lose, but also... Uh, what he had the potential to gain, like look at the life of the Apostle Paul, right? So Paul was like Nicodemus. He was Jewish leadership. He was a rising star in the Jewish community. And and Paul lost all of that, you know, uh, all Mm -hmm. of that past, all of that education, all of that clout, all of that position Mm -hmm. in order to follow Christ. Now, obviously, you continue to watch what God did in Saul to Paul and what Paul does as, you know, missionary church planter, pastor, all that, right? Um, but I think that's a, that's a really well-developed picture that mm-hmm. shows us what it would have been like yeah. to be Nicodemus. All of that's garbage compared to what I've gained mm-hmm. in Christ. I can't help but think through that group of religious leaders is the one who ultimately drove for G- Jesus to be executed. And for him to be a p- among them... He could lose his own life. Yeah. Right? And, and for him to be a part of that tribe and that group, and then it happens and he's dead... And for him to basically, when there's nothing to gain mm-hmm. from any worldly standards, to go over to that side and say, I will be with you. Well, and when you think about it, like Jesus is crucified, uh, one, because that's God's plan, but mm-hmm. also he does it through uh, both the Romans and the Jews who are concerned about his power mm-hmm. uh, to take over, right? Rome's concern, concerned politically, the Jews are concerned religiously, they want him dead and off the scene. And so it is absolutely, absolutely believable that every and any follower of Jesus was just as much at risk and vulnerable of being crucified as mm-hmm. Jesus. Because yeah. if, if, if killing him didn't wipe his movement off the scene, well, then killing his followers, man, that's so much easier. Mm-hmm. So, let's go ahead and exterminate them as well. Yeah. And you see that. I mean, you see that yeah. in Acts. You see, you see mm-hmm. them coming after the lives of the, depo- the mm-hmm. apostles. Some of them lose their lives really early on. Mm-hmm. And most of them lose them in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, in the end, they Spoilers. all did. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, which is why Peter, you know, denies knowing Jesus in front of a girl, little girl, uh, which we'll get to. But it's just like there's a real fear there of they're doing this to him. Well, I'm, I'm next. 
Yeah. Um, so my last thought is, you know, if we're talking about, man, there are modern day equivalents to Nicodemus, somebody searching, curious, undecided, or maybe has the wrong understanding of how to connect with God. How can we reach those who feel like they're in a similar place to Nicodemus? How can we reach the people around us who may feel or be in the same place? I think one thing for me is I I really want to be seen as somebody who is accessible to answer questions and safe to ask questions. And, um, you know, honestly, it also makes me think of the story that we told this past Sunday for Easter, um, Richard's story about how he asked his friend Brian if he could get together with him and ask him some questions. And he saw Brian as somebody who wouldn't judge him for asking the questions that he had and would be happy to dive into that stuff with him. And so I kind of, that's that's the picture I have of Be a Brian. what it could look like <laughs> yeah. now is just being available. Well, I love that you brought that up because I think that goes hand in hand with what I was what what I would say is I think the way that we love these people is with 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 patience and with compassion, you know, and and just the patience to walk with them through mm-hmm. uh, all of the layers that that build up to create that that indecision. Yeah, you know, um, and so whether that Presence. looks like someone that's undecided for this reason or that reason, or because they're a Bulgarian Muslim, right. uh, just recognizing that it's going to take time, and that's one of the things I loved about Richard's story. Like Brian was in it for mm-hmm. time yeah. and over time, and 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 they just kept walking together. But ultimately, as patient and as filled with compassion as as we want to be in loving them towards Christ and the cross, there does have to come a point where we have to call them to let go of what they're holding on to in, in order to take hold of Christ. Yeah. Mm. Man, as we think about modern day Nicodemuses, and, and I think about myself again, like I think that was me. And I just think about the people who came alongside me to help me, and I just want to be that for other people. Um, and, uh, you know, what was so pivotal for me was somebody just to say, you've got lots of questions you don't quite know. Uh, you may even have some really wrong ideas or beliefs. Let's just read Jesus's words together. Mm-hmm. And that was what changed me. It wasn't somebody who had all the answers. It wasn't somebody who, you know, uh, could just paint a, a, tell a really good story or whatever it may be, or was really convincing. It was just, let's read Jesus's words together. And that's what I believe does it for Nicodemus, and I, that's ultimately what did it for me. Well, you know, the other there. thing about this that, that I love is like when a Nicodemus chooses to follow Christ, they own it, man. Mm. You know, like when they choose to let go to take hold of Christ, yeah. it's so well thought out. It's the, it, there's a, there's a deep level, and man, God does stuff with with folks like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, we got two more weeks. We've got for the one who's. Questions? Questions, and for the one who has failed. has failed. I'm excited for those two. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. We hope you'll join us next week as we begin to conclude our journey with Jesus through the Gospel of John. Thanks.